Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they're investing and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate. From co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to Ready to Scale. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on my deals. Speaking of deals, we have a great opportunity right now. You can passively invest in Element 41, a beautiful 494 units in Marietta, right outside Atlanta, Georgia. It's a value-add Class B asset and a very conservative investment. This investment opportunity is open to accredited investors only. And if you'd like to learn more about this opportunity, please email me at ellie at ellieperlman.com. And a quick disclaimer, this is not an offer to sell securities. I'm not a registered investment advisor, and you should always consult with your CPA or investment advisor before making any decisions to invest in real estate. So today I want to talk about the three things that passive investors need to look for in a deal during COVID. And I know that some investors are pretty much decided to sit on the sidelines, to not invest. And basically, you know, I respect that. And I always tell investors, if you don't feel comfortable investing, don't do it. And so we do have some investors that decide, you know, I'm not going to invest a dollar. I'm going to wait until COVID is over to make any move. And obviously, you know, I respect this decision and some investors still make that decision. And some of them are saying, you know, we know we can make money in every stage of the cycle. People lost money when the economy was strong and people made money when the economy was strong. And the same goes when it comes to a downturn, but still, you know, even if you decide to invest in today's market, I would say that there are three main things that you need to look into when you're considering investing passively. The number one thing is a sponsor's experience during COVID. One of the questions I get asked a lot by new investors is how are your properties doing during COVID? And I think it's a very legitimate question. And I would ask the same if I were looking to invest with a new sponsor during COVID. Obviously, during COVID, some investments are doing well and some don't with many sponsors and some sponsors are struggling more than others. And I think the main thing, you know, that you want to hear is the truth and, you know, looking at how the sponsor is dealing with a question like this. If the sponsor seems to, you know, a bit nervous or if they don't like the question, if it makes them upset, then it's not someone that I would want to invest with because I know that they don't feel comfortable talking about the bad and the ugly, they only want to talk about the good, which is not a good sign. So if I were to interview 
and ask a sponsor, how are your assets doing during COVID? I would try and listen how direct they are when they answer your question, if they're not you know, going around the bush and how honest they are. And it's extremely important because you want to see how sponsors react to an uncomfortable question. Because if things go wrong within investment, you want to invest with someone who is going to be upfront with you, who's going to email or call and say, hey, this is the situation right now. We're not doing well. And this is what I'm doing to improve the situation. This is what I'm doing to work on it. And so I think their reaction is priceless and just try and listen how honest they are and how comfortable they are addressing an uncomfortable question. And so I think before you even look at any number, one of the things that you should ask is how are are your deals doing during COVID? And if they say all deals are doing great, try and ask, can you tell me a little bit more about the numbers? How is your NOI doing? Is it increasing, decreasing? What's your collection rate? How is the local team dealing with evictions right now? Try and be more specific. Because if someone is not trying to tell you the truth, it's going to be very hard to do it if it's not a blanket statement such as, oh, our properties are doing okay, you're just fine. But try and be more specific. Have you paid distributions on time? And if not, what happened? By how much did you reduce distributions? Specific questions like that can really show you how the operator thinks, how they operate, whether, you know, if they're honest. I'm not looking for someone who's a rock star. The richest, most successful real estate and entrepreneurs in the world in general They've made mistakes, they've lost some money, and I'm not saying it's okay to lose money, but what I'm saying is that it doesn't make sense that someone is only succeeding and all investments are 100% performing. And you want to understand who is the sponsor, are they honest, are they comfortable talking about uncomfortable subjects, because if your investment goes sideways, you want to invest your money with a sponsor that is going to be honest with you and will tell you how things are and not going to try and mask it with a different reality that is not the reality of your investment. And so that's the number one thing that I would look at. The second thing that is important to review when you're looking at a deal during COVID is how conservative is the underwriting? And I hear many sponsors and many investors say, I'm very conservative. I'm very conservative. This is a conservative deal. Okay. Let's look at the numbers and understand if this is indeed a conservative deal. So you don't need to be an underwriter. You don't need to spend hours running the numbers on your own. All you got to do is look at the performa that they're attaching to their deal. And so one of the things you can look at is the income growth. You can see the income in the performa and you can calculate it very quickly how is the income growing from the current, the T2 or T3 or T12, meaning the average trailing three or 12 months? And I would right now look at T2, meaning the average two months income. How is that comparing to the first year of operations? If income increases 25%, it might be the deal of a century, and it might be just a very aggressive underwriting and very aggressive assumption. So on most of our deals, for instance, during COVID, we assume zero to maybe, maybe 1% growth in income. 
And that's conservative because we are saying, yes, we are going to try and push rents, but what if we can't? What if we can't push even 3%? Let's see if the deal works at 0% rent growth, income growth. And that's what you want to see in deals, especially during COVID. How much is the income growing? So calculate that. It's a very, very easy calculation. The second thing that you can look at that would answer the question, is this underwriting, is this deal conservative, is to look at the renovation schedule. And so normally, you know, before COVID, we assume that we're going to get in, we're going to purchase the property and start renovating the vacant units. And then every time a tenant leaves because their lease is up, then we're going to come in and renovate the unit. It could be 5, 10, 12 units a month. You know, every apartment that is becoming available, we're going to renovate it. Now, during COVID, it's obviously a different world. So renovations are going to be much slower because sponsors want to make sure that they can lease the unit. If they're going to lease 10 units a month, and obviously when you renovate them, you want premium, so you're pushing rents. So pre-COVID, 10 units a month, that's doable. You push rents 5, 10, whatever percent, and you rent them. But during COVID, what if you can only rent five of them? then renovation schedule is much lower because you have fewer tenants that are able to pay the premium. And so if it's not in the offering memorandum and the investment package that the sponsor sends you, email them and ask them, what's the renovation schedule? How many units do you plan to renovate every month? And are you certain that you're going to have a demand for it? So for instance, on our deals, we are underwriting zero units that are going to be renovated during the first 12 months. It's very, very conservative because we're actually going to renovate, but at a much slower pace. I wanted to stress this, the deal and basically say, okay, here are the returns if we are not renovating even one unit during the first year of operation. Now, that's a conservative underwriting. It doesn't have to be zero, but it has to be a small enough number that will make sense to whatever is happening today. Another thing that you want to look at when it comes to conservative underwriting is the bad debt. So bad debt is basically all the rents that were due and have not been collected by the owner And there's no way to collect them anymore. So when someone, let's say the first of the month is arriving and you have until the third to pay your rent. And after the third, your debt is considered delinquent, meaning you're late to pay your rent. And so usually you have delinquencies, which is also something you need to look at. But delinquency is basically all the late rents. And once someone skips in the middle of the night, or leaves without paying the debt and the owner goes to a collection agency and after two, three months they say, hey, we cannot collect this debt, then the delinquent debt becomes bad debt. So bad debt is delinquent rent that cannot be not only late, but cannot be collected. So look at the bad debt in the underwriting and ask yourself, does it make sense? If it's zero, or a very small number, it doesn't make sense. And you always have to look at it in relation to the current operations. If bad debt is already 3%, and I would say up to 3%, it's reasonable. If right now the property is operating at 3% bad debt, then assuming 1% bad debt during year one may or may not be conservative. It may be conservative 
if the sponsor says, listen, the population in the area is very strong. We have a $100,000 median household income. They don't know how to manage the asset. We're going to do a better job and here's how we're going to push the bad debt down. But sometimes it doesn't make sense if they're just saying, oh, we, we assume that the economy is going to get better and bad debt is going to go down. Probably not the answer you want to hear, right? Because bad debt normally when we underwrite to a higher bad debt, at least in the first 18 months until it goes down. Another part of a conservative underwriting is obviously vacancy. You want to look at a deal that has higher vacancy during the first year of operations. And again, it's just to be on a safe side. If the vacancy right now is 7%, It doesn't make any sense that it's going to drop to 3% during the first year of operations. Again, unless there's a really, really good story here about an operator that doesn't know how to operate it and we're going to take it over and push vacancies down. But normally we underwrite to a higher vacancy in the first 12 to 18 months. It's still COVID time. Vacancy can still increase. It's more the bad debt that increases than vacancies, but It's always good to have higher vacancy in your underwriting just to be on a safe side. The last portion of a conservative underwriting, actually we'll have two more things. So we have concessions, which is all the discounts you're giving tenants to lure them into signing a lease agreement with you. And I would say, you know, a lot of properties have zero to half a percent concessions prior to COVID ask the sponsor about the few months of concessions. If they're increasing the first year of operations, you want to have higher concessions, not lower concessions for obvious reasons. You obviously consider the option, the reality of higher discounts to keep luring tenants into your, you know, to sign an agreement with you to your property. The last piece of a conservative underwriting is debt. And I've talked about it before on the podcast, how much I love agency debt fixed rate. I don't like fluctuating interest rates because they're low today. Tomorrow they're higher, especially since right now we are at all time. It's kind of a historic level when it comes to low interest rates. And so very conservative debt is a big portion of conservative underwriting. Now, the third thing besides the sponsor's experience during COVID and conservative underwriting is how the property is actually performing during COVID. And this is as important as a conservative underwriting. So we talked about delinquencies and vacancies and concessions. You want to look at the underwriting and basically understand what's the story there. You can ask actually to look at the T12, the trailing 12 months from the sponsor, and you can look at the 10 months or five months leading to the pandemic and how the numbers change. It's a little bit more work to look at the numbers, but you can look at vacancy if the rate is increasing, if concessions are increasing over time, if delinquencies are increasing, because the numbers, they're going to tell you a story. They're going to tell you how the property was doing before COVID and how the property is doing during COVID. So obviously an investment, you know, property that has low delinquencies, low vacancies, low concessions, low bad debt is pretty much the deal you want to invest in right now because you can see if during the worst time in COVID and hopefully it's not going to get worse than this, but 
if during the hard times, the property is performing, statistically, you know, the odds are that it's going to keep performing after COVID is over. So basically, these are the three things you need to look for when you're investing passively in a multifamily deal during COVID. We said the first one is the sponsor's experience during COVID. See how honest and upfront the sponsor is and how comfortable they are answering uncomfortable questions. The second thing is we talked about conservative underwriting. So income growth, renovation schedule, bad debt, vacancy, concessions, and the debt structure. And lastly, the property's performance during COVID and you know, you want to look at the vacancies, the concessions, the bad debt, and see if they're increasing over time or if they're more or less stable, which will indicate a strong performing asset. That's all for today. These are the three things that passive investors should look at when investing passively in multifamily during COVID. Be great, be bold, and keep moving forward. And I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.